Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Bennett, and I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Laren Gorlitsky. Uh, she's a scientist at UCLA. Uh, she's actually a bi... A, how do I say it? Evolutionary biologist. She's an evolutionary biologist. And I want to give you guys a preface for this episode. So I'm minding my own business this one day at the salon. I'm doing hair on my very favorite, Nicole. Uh, she's amazing. And uh, her bestie walks in to hang during our session. And it turns out, bestie, our friend here, Dr. Laren, she is like an expert in like the history of the world. And so we get to talking and then I'm like, wait. I don't want to talk anymore because I have to have you on my podcast so you can tell us all about mass extinctions because she's like a mass extinction genius. Well, Which, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I would. So now, is that really what an evolutionary biologist is? Are you guys like a, like a mass extinction expert people? No. So uh, mass extinction, I'm not a mass extinction expert, but I do study a bit of it for some of my classes. I'm actually a plant biologist. That's my expertise is in Beers. plant biology. Um, so evolutionary biology is studying how organisms change over time. And one of those things is to look at the fossil record and see what animals and what different organisms went extinct and when they went extinct and when new organisms arose and diversified. We kind of have this idea in evolution of like uh, a social evolution, which is like survival of the fittest. And that's not actually what evolution is. Evolution is about small changes that take place over time that make organisms more fit in the environment. And because they're more fit, they can reproduce and produce more copies of themselves. And then those organisms can go on and make more copies of themselves. And so organisms change over time and adapt to their environment. And those that don't adapt, they don't produce offspring and they die off. Is that the same of, like, viruses and stuff, too? Absolutely. And that's where we see it the most. So in modern medicine, evolution is relevant in all forms of biology. And you can't really understand biology without understanding evolution. But the place where it's the most relevant are with things that reproduce very quickly. So viruses and bacteria and small organisms, we see evolution happening very quickly in those organisms because they reproduce so fast. And so you can actually see antibiotic resistance and things like that where you're actually watching evolution happening in an instant or in a very short, a couple, on an order of a couple of days, months, years. Whereas things like humans, which reproduce much more slowly or large-scale organisms that you know take 30, 40, 50 years, you need 30 generations. So you might need oh. 10,000 years to really start to see these changes. And so what we do is we look at the geological record and we look at time over 500 million years and we can start to see, oh, this was a major transition in life that gave life a competitive advantage. And so we've kind of identified those. And if you take vertebrate biology, which is the class that I teach that's forced me to learn all this material, <laughs> uh, you start to, you can identify exactly where, okay, this is a huge change in the, we see this in the fossil record and in these organisms go and they diversify. Got it. So let's pull a Sophia Petrillo for the for our listeners. Picture it. Earth. Like 550 million years ago. Yeah. Like so what was happening? Like what was the first the so, first situation? Kind of the most so, so the earth's about four and a half billion years old and nothing that exciting well it, lots of geological stuff is happening. It's really exciting from a geological standpoint. But from a life standpoint, there's not there's a few bacteria that show up. Uh, most of them are um, extremophiles. They live in vents deep in the earth. They live off hydrogen sulfides. They, it's a very extreme environment. Um, but then about 550,000 years, 550 million years ago, uh, we have the Cambrian explosion. And this is this amazing time in life where all the major body plants sort of show up. The invertebrates are there. The vertebrates are there. That's us. We're the vertebrates. And um, all different types, mollusks are there. All different types of body plants are starting to show up. Um, 
and you start to and then what's this baby era and this is called the cambrian okay this explosion. is the cambrian okay explosion, got it right okay and so Aaron in their most they're all in their most basic forms but you're seeing kind of the major body plans of life show up what's a body plan um sort of so like for when we talk about vertebrates we're talking about the spine on the back Oh. versus invertebrates um so like insects their spine runs their uh, spinal cord runs on the front of their body and so uh actually invertebrates get going and they start doing lots of really interesting things they have really kind of complex eyes the most famous are the trilobites mm. that show up and um they really uh do very well actually the invertebrates get onto land faster than we do it takes uh vertebrates a very long time to kind of get started we're really just these kind of worm-like creatures for a very long time and then we develop we move from the cambrian to the ordovician and we develop this uh these like scales on our heads and we're kind of this worm-like body with this with these big sort of scales on our heads and we're called jawless fish mm. um and these jawless fish are running around are swimming around really and yeah. um they're doing some interesting things and there's a lot of different things going on in the ecosystem and then there's... And is there anyone living on wait so is like the cambrian explosion is that like an era or that's like an event so the cambrian explosion so it's a it's about uh, let me think it's a probably about uh, 50 million years. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah, a, it's that's a like long, long yeah. period of time. Yeah. So then you move into this Ordovician period. And this Ordovician, you're starting to get a lot of diversification and lots of different, more complicated body plans that are showing up. Oh, body plans. Yeah, body plans. Body plan. I thought you were saying body plants. Oh, no. So I was like, I was like, what's that mean? But body plan, I get it now. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, no, okay. So now the body plans are like diversifying. And, right, this, and right, what, right. what's that A period again? Uh, Ordovician. Ordovician. So it starts with an O. Oh, yeah, Ordovician. Ordovician. Yeah. So there's an Ordovician era. So like the jellyfish are getting crazier and like the invertebrates are getting crazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's oh my gosh you guys we're full textbooking right now and it's major I'm obsessed because uh, we are getting we are getting our facts correctamundo. So then you get into the um, Silurian period. So at the end of the Ordovician is this huge mass extinction, and people don't really understand it. They don't know what is the culprit of it. But most mass extinctions, there's um, well, all, for most extinctions, climate change is a big culprit. Uh, ocean acidification is a big culprit. Uh, you have some, meteors is the most famous, mm -hmm. and then volcanism is another one. So lots of volcanoes, and uh -huh. so these different extinction events they take place, and you have these kind of major shifts on the earth and it's really these major shifts on the earth that also allow life to be on earth so you know life is this kind of wonderful uh thing that can happen on the planet but it also has to as a consequence of that there also has to be a very geologically active planet in order to do that right so um that's why mars isn't very geologically active and so it doesn't really have the ability to support life in the same way uh, got it so we move over So at the end of the artificial mm -hmm. there's a big ass Mass extinction. Mass extinction in the oceans. Then we move into the Devonian period, and the Devonian period is known as the age of fish, and so you start to get all of this diversification in the fish, and we call them raffin fishes, and we have sharks, and we also, during the Ordovician period, we developed the jaw mm. as vertebrates, and so developing the jaw then allows us to become predators, and so we're not just filter feeders swimming around, but we can actually start eating other things, and that's very exciting. That was like the big like. Thing. That's a big thing. That's the big characteristic that vertebrates come up with, and really, you'll have to ask me about vertebrates because my background in paleontology is really focused towards vertebrates rather than invertebrates. Got it. So we uh, now we have things like sharks, and we have raffin fishes, and we. Is also, there anything on land at this point? There are plants on land, and there are in 
insects on land. There's invertebrates on land. But the vertebrates don't get into land until about the mid-Devonian, moving into the Carboniferous. And once, yeah. And so then we start to develop, um, there's these uh, lobe-fin fishes. And they sort lobe of... Lobe-fin fishes. Yes. And they have, their fins look sort of like, so that they have shoulder joints in them. And so they can sort of walk. And if you want to see an idea of what that looks like, you can look online at a mud skipper. It's not a lobe-fin fish, but it has sort of, it walks on land to go from one puddle to the next. It's a ray-fin fish, but it can do that. And so it kind of gives you an idea of what they might have looked like oh. when they were getting on land. So is that like a cousin of one of those or they're like not, a descendant? It's not. It's really convergent evolution, so they're not descended from it. But you, when you look at it, you're like, oh, I bet that's probably what yeah. they look like. So it's probably a convergent evolution rather than it being related. But so you get these, um, and once they get on, once these fish start to get to land, probably to avoid predators in the ocean, uh, they begin to, they have to, they have to deal with desiccation. They have to deal with drying out. Mm. So uh, when you look at uh, fish, they, all of their cells are alive on their skin. But once you get onto land, you can't really have your whole epidermis being alive. You need to have some dead cells on the other to protect you from drying out. And so when we move to amphibians, we start to see more layers in the skin and a dead layer on the outside. Ugh. So, so that's in the Devonian? That is the Devonian moving into the Carboniferous period. So then and, and is that like... What about Pangea? So, okay, so then we got some time before we get to Pangea. Okay, so, so we're not even in Pangea yet. Yeah, we're moving towards it. So uh, Pangea is kind of the most famous period, and that's during the Permian period. Oh, that's period. a period, too? Yeah, yeah. So the um, the continents, they move around over time, and so there's times when there's Laurasia and Gondwana, which are just other kind of massive continents, and then they move towards Pangaea, and then Pangaea breaks up, and then after Pangaea breaks up fully, I think it's 100 million years ago, then they start separating out into where they are now. Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, so then leaving the Devonian, we've got We've got some, like, amphibian mm-hmm. stuff happening in the fossil record. record right. So that's how we know that? Yeah. Because you guys saw it in the fossil record. So, there, so, so there's some amphibians out in, in there, and then there's, like, sharks. Is this the era of, like, those big-ass fish, too? Like, the huge, like, like gigantic, gigantic whales? So, like, those old-school ones? So not whales, but some of the larger... You could have things like sharks, large sharks, and things like that. Yeah, you could have bigger body plants that are formed. But the really big stuff starts in the... Um, after the Permian really looking at Ooh, the Mesozoic we can't jump ahead period. there yet, girl. Okay, yeah. So, okay. So, Devonian ends, then what? Okay, so then you get on land, and there it's... It's like 30% oxygen, and the oxygen, and so there's lots of insects on land, and they're enormous. There's like uh, dragonflies that are like three feet long. So, um, and it's because there's so much oxygen, and it's really kind of a swampy environment, and that's actually where a lot of our coal comes from, is from these ancient forests, these trees that died and then got compressed. Because fossil fuels are literally... Fossil fuels. They're yeah. fuels made from fossils. Exactly, exactly. That is crazy. I know, anyway, I know. Uh, so that's amazing. So what was the period after the Devonian? So after the Devonian, we move into the Carboniferous. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then during this Carboniferous, amphibians are on land, and they're getting, we're getting really big amphibians. Amphibians are things like frogs, but they're not frogs then. But they are, that's what we know of they can do like They can do like water and land. And, and, and that's what it means. Amphibian actually means two lives. And so... 
uh, on in the water, they lay their eggs in water, and there's their egg masses are these like gelatinous. Uh, like eggs that that sit in the water so they don't desiccate and then they go What's and desiccate they dry out Got so they it. don't dry out five dollar word yay yeah um so um and then you know they hunt on land and they do other things on land but when they reproduce they have to go back to the water Got it. and so they're really tied to the water then there is this major change that takes place where the egg shells of vertebrates uh the eggs start to create a shell and so that prevents them from drying out. And now these vertebrates can lay eggs on land, and they don't have to be tied to the water. And this is huge. This is one of the most important things that we figure out in life. And so we have the hard-shelled egg. And the hard-shelled egg then allows the, us to turn into reptiles. And so vertebrates become, when, if they have hard-shelled eggs, uh, they diversify as reptiles, and they go off into two groups. We call them the mammal-like reptiles and then just regular reptiles, para-reptiles, reptiles. So the mammal-like reptiles are actually what we turn into, that turn into us eventually, and they're ruling the world during the uh, Permian period. And they, pelicosaurs are kind of uh, some of the famous ones. And you've, if you've gone to a oh. history museum, you've seen them. They have a huge sail on their back. Uh-huh. That's a pelicosaur. And um, these are these mammal-like reptiles, and they think that they had some hair on them. Uh, how much is debated? Uh, they have differentiating teeth, so they have a very special bite. Um, that's a characteristic of a mammal. And they are, uh-huh. and, and these therapsids. So mammal-like reptiles, those are like, like land before time, like the big, big dinosaurs, but they have babies inside. So we haven't had, so we're not there yet. So oh, we haven't gotten there, there yet. So then um, we have, so we have these synapsids. And they are these mammal-like reptiles, and they are living during the Carboniferous and kind of ruling and, and through the Permian period mm-hmm. and the Permian period. And then we also have these diapsids or these re- and anapsids, which are more reptilian-like that we sort of think about reptilian. And they're large, but we, they're actually animals that, you know, we don't really know about that much in pop culture, and we don't really think about them that much. And during this time, Pangaea is forming, and the climate is very harsh because, as you know, if you live by the beach – uh, the temperatures don't get that extreme. It doesn't get that hot. It doesn't get that cold. But if you go and you move into the valley, you get really hot days and really cold nights. And so Pangaea is this huge, massive continent, and it's, it gets really dry, much more drier, and it gets much hotter and much colder. And so this adaptation of not being so tied to water and having this thick, this thick skin really gives you a competitive advantage. Got it. So vertebrates, because their skeletal system is on the inside of their body instead of the outside, like in insects, uh, we can keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a limit to how big insects can get because they have to molt and lose their entire exoskeleton. Right. And so now that's what allows vertebrates to get so much larger. So then we have the biggest extinction on the planet, which is the Permian extinction. And this happens on the boundary between the Permian and the Triassic period. And they are, and during this period of time, there is this huge volcanism. And the volcanoes are, it's the size of Europe. That's how much volcanism is happening. And it's a double pulsed event. Uh, I've seen anywhere between 60,000 years apart and 200,000 years apart, this double pulsed event of just so much lava coming out of Siberia. And this shoots tons of... um, of halogens and tons of sulfur and CO2 into the atmosphere, and it heats up the oceans, and the oceans start acidifying, and so the oceans all start dying, the, animal, the organisms in the oceans die, and then we get 
the UV outside, uh, our ozone layer starts to deplete and UV hits the plants and the plants all start dying on land. And once you take out the primary producers or the base of the food chain, the rest of the food chain goes. So this is happening um, at the end of the Permian moving into the Triassic period. And then after we've killed out all of these organisms, now we have all this open space. So, but does anything live? Yes. So about uh, 90% of life dies, so 10% makes it through. Wow. So what makes it through? Um, so the things that will eventually turn into the dinosaurs. And so you start to get these organisms, uh, uh, certain types of mammals do make it through, mammal-like reptiles do make it through. Were they smaller, um, bigger? Do smaller, we know? Smaller. There's this really interesting uh, listestor that is living on the planet, and he's everywhere. And it's a herbivore, and he's actually rather large. He's about the size of a dog, and he's, he's found everywhere. And so what happens after a mass extinction, uh, the way I like to think about it is, when you have um, that antibacterial soap that you use that cleans uh-huh. your hands, um, basically what you're doing in a very localized place is you're causing a mass extinction on your hands. Oh, yeah. And you're just killing everything out. And then the bacteria all come back because there's a food source available. So the, the bacteria come back, they're just less diversified. And then it takes time for them to go and diversify again. So whatever makes it through the mass extinction, they don't have to be surviving very well, but whatever makes it through the extinction then gets the opportunity their ancestors get to go and diversify. Got it. Okay, so that's major. We have to take a really quick break. We'll be right back with more with Dr. Laren in just 2.5 seconds. I'm Travis. And I'm Andy. And we host Bunker Buddies, a comedy apocalypse podcast every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. We've got a brand new format for our podcast that we hope you want to come and check out. We try out products for your go bag. We'll try out cheddar larvae and cricket bars so you don't have to. We play Would You Rather and answer questions from the audience. And we have great guests that pop into the bunker. It's everything you love about the show and more. Come check it out every Wednesday here on MaximumFun.org. Stay safe out there. There's always hope and cheesecake. New York City, listen up. Your fellow Max Fun listeners and hosts are gathering at Stuart Wellington's new Brooklyn bar, and you're invited. You probably know Stuart from his hilarious movie riffing on the Flophouse, but did you know he's also a small business owner? It's true. Join Stuart and a ton of new Max Fun friends at the Hinterlands Bar on Saturday, August 27th at 7 p.m. You can find more information at bit.ly slash maxfunhinterlands. See you there. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness. So we were just talking about the biggest mass extinction ever, where 90% of all living stuff died, except for this dog-like thing. I'm grossly paraphrasing here uh, for this dog like thing and then what what extinction was this called again this is called the permian extinction the, the permian. permian triassic extinction got it so then like this dog thing survives what uh, what other like things made it it's it's hard to say there's these reptilian these para reptilian these small sort of reptilian like creatures that survive basically anything that's alive now its ancestors survived and that's kind of how you can think about it it oh. sets the stage for the next group of organisms and we don't really talk about what extinct what goes extinct so much as we talk about what survives because that's what right. we kind of can actually study Did anything in the oceans live? Yeah, so the oceans uh shallow watered creatures 
did pretty well, but deep water creatures did not fare well. Uh, after this, the trilobites go, they weren't doing very well. They weren't very impressive um, at this point, but they completely, they completely go extinct at this point. They survive other periods of time, um, but then they're done. Uh, brachiopods get their numbers hit back. Mo a everything gets its numbers hit back, but the things that do survive, the 10% that does survive, then goes on to set the stage for the dinosaurs. Got it. So then we move into the Triassic. Then, exactly. We move into the, tri uh, the, well, the Triassic and then the Jurassic and then the Cretaceous. And so this is a really long period of time where um, we set the stage for dinosaurs to live on the planet. And this is when we're the most familiar with the organisms that exist. And so we have things like pterosaurs, flying dinosaurs, and we have, you know, Tyrannosaurus rex, and we have... Brontosaurs, and we have... And Sarah, and Littlefoot, and the other ones from Land Before Time. Exactly, and that's what everybody is kind of familiar with. And there was a climate change period where we did get another mass extinction during the end of the Triassic, um, but it, was, it wasn't that significant. I think it was 70% of life, so it wasn't... That's pretty big. Yeah, but it wasn't like the Permian. It wasn't right. quite the same as the Permian. And that was from hotness? And, and so people don't know 100%. There's a lot of debate, but... Climate change is always kind of what people talk about. There's lots of different extinction events that take place over time, like lots and lots and lots of them. But these are the five really big ones yeah. where you start to kind of change what is taking over. Uh, so then we have the dinosaurs that are on land, and they're doing great. And there are so many dinosaur fossils around, and it's because they've been they the dinosaurs survived for like a hundred million years on the planet, and we can study them, and uh, it's. They're, they're just kind of fascinating. The more we find new species every year, we find more species of different forms of dinosaurs. And some of the best fossils come out of China, actually. Uh, and so then they, but then the most famous mass extinction happens. And this is when most of the time a mass extinction takes about a million years. Stand by. So the climate change when that happened, you had like 70% of dinosaurs die. But then, and like other stuff, but then like some made it, like, and there's, and there's still like relatively like, a bunch of different dinosaurs left of those 30%. Yes, and then they diversify, continue to go on, to continue to diversify. Um, is there any, ma like, hairy mammals Yes, yet? and we have, hairy, we have hairy mammals. How much hair is debated, but we do have. And so our relatives are mostly smaller, and they're burrowing. There are a few that eat dinosaurs, but they're not big. Really? Yeah, there are a few that are kind of, will eat smaller dinosaurs. Really? Like yeah. a lion or something? Or like not, a big... Not quite a, a lion. Tiger? Not quite, not quite like that, but it's, it's like a... Oh, I, it's hard to describe. They're just, they're maybe dog-like size and they like can eat. Like a wolfy Yeah, thing. type of thing. Yeah, like a, exactly. like, a, like a big ass wolf, maybe? Not that big. But okay. uh, like, they're not, they're not. And they would maybe eat like that dinosaur that like spit all over um, Newman from Seinfeld's face in Jurassic Park. Maybe something like that. <laughs> you, you remember that one like shot poison on its face with that big like. So those would be, all be dinosaurs. Those wouldn't be mammal-like. Dinosaurs but, are mammals. But like, but like, but that was what. Oh. So those are all going to be dinosaurs, yeah. But so, but so the mammal never ate those ones. No, they're oh. they're eating like kind of the babies, like little, you know, ones. little things. Really they're little really things. not like doing... like 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 a chameleon or something, something like small. Little yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, got, got, it. got it. Okay, great. So, so then, okay. so the thirty are reproducing, they're doing their thing, and then the biggest mass extinction happens. Well, so no, this is the this is I think it's the third biggest mass extinction. Oh, the, but what's so interesting about it is it happened so fast. Yeah, because this is the this is the the big meteor event. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to so, say it. I didn't want to steal your thunder because it was, but I knew it was coming. So, for for humans, like you have to realize that we modern humans have been around two hundred thousand years, and you know. 
10 years is a big deal to us. A hundred years is a really big deal to us. So we have a hard time understanding a million years. Like that's something that doesn't really make sense to us uh, intellectually. We can kind of, we can put those numbers somewhere, but we don't truly understand what they're talking about. Uh, 10,000, you know, modern society is no more than 5,000 years old. So, oh yeah. Uh, so you when that's you, like no time, no time. Even at all. cavemen. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, that's so like, the twenty thousand years ago. Yeah. So it's but when you think about like kind of modern civilizations yeah, like Rome, and agriculture Greece, and all yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so when we think about mass extinctions, not a million years. It's really hard for us to kind of understand yeah, that five thousand versus a million. That's crazy, really, when you think about it. Right. So when you start. To, so what's so great about well, great about the meteor hitting is that. <laughs> It's something that happened in a very short period of time, and so humans can really wrap their heads around that kind of idea. And so uh, the meteor hits, comes in, and it hits uh, the Yucatan Peninsula in, um, in Mexico. So it's like Tulum, uh, uh, Cancun, yes, Isla yes, Mujeres. Yes, yes, exactly. So it hits that, and so, uh, there was one scientist who said that it was the equivalent of all of us if we had every human set off an A-bomb at the same time. That's how much power was in it. And when it comes down and it hits the earth, it vaporizes immediately, and there's a layer of uridium, which is it vaporizes, it has this uridium in it, and this is how we know it was a meteor impact, and it covers the entire earth. And it covers Was there uridium in the comet? Yes, in the comet. It wasn't really found on Earth. It's very rare on Earth, but it's found in it's found in meteors. And so that's what gave us the clue. Okay, we see this layer of uridium all around the entire planet. What is going on oh. here? Okay, it must be a um, it must be some sort of meteor impact. So the meteor vaporizes and it covers the entire Earth. And there's these rocks that kind of vaporize with them and they go up into the earth and they start raining down and so on the planet for a few hours the entire planet gets cooked like an oven and that's and then the and that's when everyone dies well a lot of things probably die at that period then the next couple months and potentially the next couple of years there's a lot of soot in the air now when we say couple of years because we're talking like the million year scales like a couple of years literally a couple yeah of years. a couple of years so for a couple of years the sun gets blocked out by all of the soot in the air there's also a big volcanism that takes place oh, also at this at time the same so we get time. totally yes and so um, at this period of time, you get this huge block out of the sun, and so once you get a block out of the sun, then the primary producers, the plants, can't really do what they do, and then the whole food chain, chain collapses. And so during this period, uh, you get this massive number of extinctions as well, and this is what kills the dinosaurs. All of them. Well, not all of them, it turns out. A few make it through, and we call them birds. And so, yeah. So the dinosaurs, they're the and they're actually our birds are related to Tyrannosaurus rex. So they're theropods, and over the time period, the theropods, um, st some of them start changing to look more, get smaller, and look more like birds. And actually, they can find a bunch of different similarities between the birds and the theropods, or like the Tyrannosaurus rex. They find a bunch of different connections. And so the dinosaurs that make it through that mass extinction are the birds. And then they go on to diversify, and they are one of the most successful vertebrate groups on the planet today. So, and then what about ocean? Did anyone make now, it in the ocean in the yes. comet? Uh, so the oceans actually do okay. Um, they don't do – they. it's not – 
quite as bad, I believe. I have to check on that. But um, the oceans, so the raffin fishes make it through and, uh, you know, anything around today. So also the sharks make it through this period of time and the mammals make it through. And this really sets the stage for the mammals. So the mammals do make it through. Yeah. Now, when I say they make it through, I am saying they still, their numbers get hit unbelievably. Yeah, what was like the, because you know like that, the, the, that one extinction was like 90% and then the other one was like 70 something. Yes. What was the big, what was the Cretaceous, Cretaceous yeah, the meteor one? Uh, 75%. Okay, major. So these are like big ass extinctions. Big ass extinctions. And for us to do that, we would need about 5,000 years of continually extincting, uh, making our planet go extinct. Hopefully we get it together before then. Yeah, let's hope. Oh, my God. So it's it's a huge mass extinction. It's by far the vis- biggest extinction of mammals. But it doesn't matter. In mass extinctions, it's not about who dies. It's about who survives. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what gets to then take and then, but over. That was, but that was also just like for timeline's sake, this is at the end of the Cretaceous, Cretaceous period. Cretaceous yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah, because those are like definitely the three that I remember, like yes. that Jurassic, Crustaceous, and uh, the Cretaceous. Tura- Jurassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And exactly. then just sidebar: the whole Jurassic Park that was all wrong, right? Because all those were like Cretaceous animals. So yes, <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just remember. But Jurassic that. is a is a cooler name. Yeah, so. it's way cooler. Okay, yeah, because yeah, like Cretaceous Park is like yeah, it's like yeah. crustacean. It's like yeah. sea seashell park. Anyway. So then this happens, and then this sets the stage for mammals. So this sets the stage for the mammals. And then so uh, mammals at this time are small. So in order to survive a mass extinction, there's a couple things that you want to be able to do. Uh, You want to have a very diverse diet, or you want to be a specialist in the right way, or you want to be living in kind of a refugia, uh, an area where the ecosystem doesn't shut down. And so these are certain things that if you can be one of those things, then you can probably make it through and survive. And then, and the other thing you want is to reproduce very quickly. So small-bodied organisms do much, much better. Um, and that's probably why the, ma- the dinosaurs, the vast majority of dinosaurs, went extinct, aside from the birds, is that they were these giant-bodied organisms. So if you have the food system shut down for a couple years, uh, you can't maintain that body weight, and so then you can't survive. Right. But if you're small and you just need to eat a little bit and then you reproduce a lot, if you produce a 1,000 offspring and two survive, five survive, you're okay. You can still continue on. So being fast reproducers, having a small life plan, not having to, being very diverse in your diet, these things allow you then to go and diversify. So what animals like made it out of that? Or, or what's like the next period after Cretaceous? Like is so, that what we are now? So yeah, so there it's pretty much. Then we move into the Cenozoic period, and then it gets broken up a lot more because the fossil record gets much better. Uh-huh. And so then there's a lots of small. Like, there's been, like a bunch since then. Yes. What are we in now? So what? That's actually a really interesting question. Work. In what is called the Anthropocene. And the reason it's called the Anthropocene is anthro meaning human. We've changed the environment so much in the last couple hundred years, couple thousand years, that long after we're gone, it will be present in the fossil record and it will be present in the geologic time scale. So you'll be able to see, oh, something really major happened on Earth when humans were in the planet. Got okay. it. And so that's why we're actually moved into the Anthropocene. And it really comes from this uh, changing of how we we cut down the forests and we change all the grasslands to, to create our food and we've created a lot of erosion and we've, we've actually altered so much of the chemistry of the earth that we can see it in, in the geologic record. So we've, is it, was there any other mass extinction since the crustacean one but, or just like mini ones? So just little mini ones. Right. And so those are the big five. And so now the big question is, well, are we moving into the sixth? And um, 
It's hard to say. And, and as a scientist, you really want to be very careful what you say. Uh, so maybe we're definitely we have a definitely have a biological crisis on this planet. And it's probably and when you read about it, it's terrifying. I mean, those that study it and those that are ecologists are terrified and they should be because we're losing so many, so many different organisms, not necessarily going extinct, but they're on the verge of extinction or their populations are going into decline. So I was reading somewhere like 50% of invertebrates are going into decline and, and the amphibians are all going into decline. There's a huge um, infection that's killing the, the amphibians globally and the large mammals, most of the populations are going into decline. And uh, so we're seeing this huge amount of biodiversity loss. And the other thing that we're seeing, we often see uh, after a mass extinction event is a very cosmopolitan world. And what that means is that organisms that can survive, they go everywhere. And so you're seeing the same organisms everywhere you go. So any planet, and this is because we travel all over the world and we have mass transit everywhere. And so organisms that are very hardy and do very well in human environments are just expanding everywhere. Um, so some of the examples of organisms that are doing very well, mosquitoes are doing fantastic. Uh, um, rats are doing fantastic. Uh, uh, ants are doing fantastic. But these, and we are kind of, there's and a And we're doing of us. fantastic, yeah. So we, these, Great, we're like mosquitoes, rats, and roaches. Great. Yes, um, and dogs and cats and chickens. Oh, yeah. Things that we've domesticated are also doing. Coyotes are doing fantastic. So there are definitely organisms that are winners in this game that we are playing with the earth. But there's a lot of organisms that are, are losers. And that is what we're worried about. What, we're, what people are afraid of is that we're going to keep taking organisms out of the system and then without even realizing it, we're going to see a collapse. We're going to create system. a collapse from like messy. So, and that's one way that like we, like humans have never like interfered so much that have caused like a collapse like from ourselves. So that would be like a new way of like, it mass, is. that's like a new exactly. way because that's not a comet or, exactly. so but then one thing that you said earlier was about how like there was that one era where the ozone layer was getting hit mm-hmm. a lot. So does that mean that the ozone layer is capable of healing? Yes, it is. The whole Earth is capable of healing. So, you know, the thing that kind of you can take comfort in is that life has gone through major, major setbacks, and it's always come back. And so this planet is primed for life. Life is, uh, in my opinion, like meant to exist on this planet because it just keeps coming back and keeps recovering and keeps recovering. Even in its very early history where it really almost went uh, went extinct, it didn't, and it came back and diversified. So um, you can kind of take comfort in that idea. The thing that's just kind of sad is that this single organism, humans, is causing this rapid decline in biodiversity, and we can't even – it's happened in the last, you know, 200, 300 years. And so we don't even – we can't even fathom what that is because most mass extinctions take – um, take a million years. Right, and we're like, we're knocking it out fast. So our podcast goes like in 30-minute chunks. We're totally over that, but I want to like rapid fire. Sure. Like, like a few more questions, uh, bang it out. Is that cool? We good? I'm pointing to my producers. A couple more minutes. Okay, great. Uh, love you guys. We love Colin. We love Christian. They are looking at me with hateful eyes. Just kidding. They love me. Uh, okay, so a few more questions. Let's go. Um, as an evolutionary biologist, how can you tell people to get more involved or if they're curious, they want to learn more, sure. they want to do more? How do they do that? Okay, so there's a great book called The Sixth Extinction. It's fantastically written. It's really well done. I really recommend that. There is a program called 
uh, Great Courses Plus online, and it has fantastic lectures. There's tons of lectures online. You can go to college for free, basically, if you're interested, uh, through different universities that, uh, that where the professors basically uh, give their lectures. Um, there's also this program called PaleoCast, if you're interested, and they will go through a lot of paleontology and how paleontologists figure things out. Um, so those are some different ways that you can study evolution. There's fantastic books on evolution. Honestly, evolution is the greatest story ever told. It is such an interesting story, and it's it, it's it's ingenious. The more I study it, the more beautiful I see it. So, so more rapid fire. Mm-hmm. As an evolutionary bio- biologist, do you think uh, that we – are you worried about, like, our carbon footprint? Like, do you think more people need I've, to be worried about it? I think that we should demand what we have to do as individuals is we have to demand our government and we have to demand our corporations change their behavior because you and I doing a little bit doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't do anything. What we need to do is get Walmart to change and we need to get, uh, you know, Target to change its behavior and we need the Congress to change its behavior. We need big, massive changes. We need the corporations to shift their behavior. Not to say that, like, if you, like, decide to, like, take the train one day, like, little baby things help, too. If you, like, did the train versus the cars, like, little baby ones. But then, like, bigger things need to happen to make a real thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that. And then what? uh, little girls, little boys, like, is science, like, a rewarding thing for them as a profession? Do you, have you, like, you, so, yeah, so it's, like, how do they get into it? Uh, How do we tell our listeners, like, well, maybe if they're not even babies, what if they're adults and they want to become scientists? What do you say? I Listen to lectures, listen to experts, and and um, once you get the vocabulary, you can go back to the primary literature to all of – and everything's online. Is I there mean, a job for people out there for that, yeah, though? Like science you... writers, and there are um, professors, and there are researchers, and there are things that you can do for permitting, uh, for environmental projects. There's tons of stuff in science. Uh, the, probably the place where there's the most science is in medicine. You know, right. the medicine's the biggest, but everything else has its roles as well. And then – uh, I always say that in every podcast, it's like a yoga class. You know, it's like if you really wanted to do a triangle or you wanted to do handstand practice, but I didn't hit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else you need to say you want to say? Like, what do the people need to know? Maybe we covered it. Maybe we didn't. It's anything you want to say. Um, just keep reading and uh, keep finding experts to give you good information and allow your mind to stay uh, plastic and flexible so that you can keep taking in new information and then changing your view. Laren, I'm obsessed with you. Dr. Laren, I'm obsessed. And uh, I just love saying doctor. And where can, uh, can anyone, do you do Facebook? Do you do Twitter? Do you do Instagram? Can anyone find you somewhere? Do you, do you uh, want to be Yeah, found? you can find me on Facebook if you want to. Sure. And, okay, great. Uh, so you guys, we will put the link to her Facebook uh, information at the, uh, whatever episode you're listening to this on. And uh, Dr. Laren Gorletsky, thank you so much sure, for thanks. coming in and thanks teaching us. Um, it was like my pleasure. Um, and you guys, thank you so much for listening to Getting Curious. Uh, we are produced by Christian Duenas and Colin Anderson of Maximum Fun. Uh, we're with Maximum Fun. We love them. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag getting curious. We love it when you guys do that. Leave us a review. We love that even more. Our theme music is by Quinn. Thank you so much for letting us use it. It's called Freak. It's fierce. We're obsessed. Uh, and we love you guys. And thank you so much for going with our podcast. And thank you so much for listening to us. And uh, keep listening. Stick around. Can't wait to hear more. Can't wait to see more. Big kiss. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.